What's happening, everyone? It's Wednesday, June 10th, 2021. You're tuned in to Two and a Half Hoopers, Etwan Moore's favorite basketball podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Lehman. With me, I have I have joined by George Martin. I think today's the ninth, right? Uh oh, it's midnight, and I was like, what's today's oh. day? So it's tomorrow's date. Oh man, it is the ninth. Special midnight pod. Yeah, we'll keep it. Hi, Josh Nowakowski. It's Wednesday. It, it really it is, promise. Um, no Josh today. Um He's doing boyfriend duties uh, as his anniversary. As, 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 all, as all kings, everybody do. call and congratulate Josh on his anniversary. Uh, it's six luckily, I'm back. I hope next episode we'll have a full squad. Are you moving, George? Are you moving on Thursday? It's up in the air. I was told I was told Friday, but then my mom was like, "Oh well, we might do it like Thursday night to get you know an advantage." And I said, "Huh?" So we're up in the air. I I think I think I'll be able to go. We'll see. Well, I hope, but I'm glad to be back. Uh, I was, I didn't like missing out a pod. I didn't feel right. I, I had like an icky feeling in my stomach, but nonetheless, I'm back, and we got a good show for you guys. Uh, Nets just broke the Bucks' spirits. We're gonna cover that. Uh, Sixers tied the series to the Hawks due to an beat forty bomb, and uh, a few coaches and teams decide to part ways, uh, probably for the better. But we'll get into that. Uh, remember, if you guys like to share, make follow. Make sure to follow us at Troopers, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, give us a comment, give us a follow. We have a shout out. What's your question? Yada yada. You know, you know the drill. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna get right into this. Uh, game ones. We're gonna start with the two game ones on, and then we're gonna start, head to the two game two. It's just an easy way to follow it. Uh, so start us off. Jazz beat the Clippers 112-109, taking obviously 1-0 series lead. Um, yeah, big story here. Don Mitchell 45 points. Um, did take him 35 to get there, but still over 50 percent, and he. Knocked on six of 15 threes. Um, for the rest of the squad, they didn't give him a whole lot, uh, but uh, Gobert did have a double-double. As for the Clippers, uh, is this pandemic P? It is, it's four for 17, so it does I that just – It's, it's below 25%, so I think it's I, I think it's pretty pandemic P. Uh, Kawhi is, was not as efficient as he was in the Maverick series. He shoots below 50. Well, what did you take away from this game? I mean, Luke Kennard, 18 points. Uh, followed up his game seven game with a uh, with another one here. That's the only positive I could really find here. Uh, just what were your thoughts on this game? The Clippers were up by 13 and a half, 60 to 40, 47. They were, yeah. Uh, so this was a very interesting game. Uh, um, so what happened was early on, Jazz went on a huge, huge slump. I think they missed like 18, 20. I, I don't want to say like in a row, but I mean, it was damn near consecutive shots. They would go. Miss like eight in a row, then make one, and then they took like twenty threes in the first quarter. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean they were they were open, but they were just set, they were oversettling in my opinion. Like they weren't looking to attack. The Clippers were kind of just giving it to them. They they just said, you know, let's see if if you're uh, hot from behind the arc. And I think a little bit to do. I mean, I don't even want to use it as an excuse because like the Clippers were up a lot. I, I do think some of this had to do with their uh, seven coming off a seven game series, a little bit fatigued. Uh, Ty Lue went to deep in his bench where he hadn't done much in the first round. Pat Bev got minutes. Boogie got minutes. A little bit surprising. And Terrence Mann only getting eight. I don't like that at all because he was phenomenal for them in that game seven. Basically helped them win that game with his uh, points and just being all around. So, yeah, Jazz, they were they were very determined to come back here. Uh, they played well down the stretch, especially their ball movement, getting shots, making shots. And, you know, the Clippers – when it was money time, they kind of forced some shots down the stretch. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, what do you think of see, uh, the the 
outliers here are DeMarcus Cousins, four minutes, Pat Bev, six minutes, team at eight minutes, like you said. Um, what do you think about him? Yeah, you mentioned he goes away from Terrence Mann when he was pl- when that was kind of like the key to come back from that 3-2 deficit. Um, and then, yeah, guys like Marcus Morris, four for 14, gets 33 minutes. Nick Batum starts at center again against yeah. Rudy Gobert, which was odd. Awesome. That was an interesting, um, an interesting call. But I mean, I, I guess we'll start talk, thinking out loud here. Pat Evan Cousins got all their minutes in the first half, and they're up by 13. And they mm-hmm. went back to their, their old reliables, the Marcus Morris's, Reggie Jackson's, and they lose that lead. So what, what do you think about the coaching from here, from Ty Lue? He proved in the first round he can be called upon to make these changes, but it seems like he wants to keep going back to those, the, the, the old reliables when these guys like Terrence Mann and Boogie was playing great in that first half. Like he was playing really, really well. We got four minutes. So yeah, what do you, what do you, what do you t- kind of take away from that? Uh, yeah, I didn't mind at all uh, him doing what he did. You know, they were kind of like a spark plug, a little energy, especially because a guy like Boogie's trying to redeem himself with all these leg injuries and Pat Bev hasn't really seen the floor a lot. So I did like the move, and, you know, it's just like another wrench in uh, Utah's plans because they probably weren't expecting guys like this to come out. And then, yeah, like you said, he just went back to the same starters in the second half and, you know, throughout the rest of the game. And I'm honestly not a fan of that as much, just going right back to your same starters. I mean, if you're on a run and you have a chance, you know, to go 20 potentially and put the game at rest, you do what you have to do. Like, you know, I'm not saying, like, start Boogie or Pat Bev, but I'm like, get those guys back in, see what you can get. And, you know, if there's, like, a five-minute stretch where they're not producing, pull them. But it it was interesting to see him adjust and then not adjust when – or, like, not not keep that same adjustment – when it was working, it was a little bit yeah, weird. Yeah, they broke, so. don't fix it, and he 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 fixed it, and another pipe burst, and then they they lose. So he put like <laughs> flex seal on it, and there was like a little drip coming out, and he's like, uh, I don't instead of putting it. more flex seal, he's like, I'll take just- the whole thing off, and it just leaked again. Uh, but yeah, what do you? Because I I didn't get to make any like uh like previews for this. I'm sure you and Josh did a great job previewing uh the Clippers Jazz series, but. I always think we're going to see a lot of Boogie here because Jazz are a big team. And Boogie, mm-hmm. he's got it. He's a physical guy. And they play him for four minutes here. And like I said, he played very, very well. Uh, he hit a, he hit a three. Uh, he was banging down low with Rudy Gobert. You got um, a steal I, on him too, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why Zubak and Batum got more minutes at the center than him. Uh, but, I mean, well, maybe that's just, you know, Ty Lue was riding the hot hand from a game seven where that worked, and he'll adjust next game. So I don't want to dwell too much on it. Uh, I do want to go to the Jazz, though. And I guess we'll kind of – Keep banging on the Clippers here uh, because they played very good defense, especially in the second half. Uh, Bogdan, I don't know if anyone really remembers, but on the Pacers, he was the guy in that seven-game series that checked LeBron. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeBron, I think, averaged like 35 points, but he was the Pacers' best defender then. He's no mm-hmm. slouch. Um, and, you know, the wingmen for the Clippers really struggled. Like I said, PG, 4 for 17, Kawhi, 9 for 19, which is struggling for Kawhi as efficient as, as he's been. Uh, so what do you see from the defense here? I know they got guys like Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles. They got – three and D players down, down the line, but what kind of set out to you? So I'm kind of going to have to uh, double back on what I said before. I actually thought the Clippers would have had a little bit of an easier time against these wings, but then I realized watching this game, you know, they have Boyan and then there's Ingles, Royce O'Neal, even Spida can switch out. Derek Favors was pretty good. Obviously he's not switching on anyone, but uh, yeah, I mean this, and then I kind of realized from last series, like they, they went to seven games with, you know, Maxi Kleber, Dorian Finney-Smith, and, and Tim Hardaway Jr. And I'm not trying to say they're scrubs, but those guys On defense, are, they're scrubs. They're lesser defenders, yeah, than uh, than the Jazz guys. Because I always think, like, you know, whenever, like, LeBron would see the, the Jazz, you know, it was just, like, food for him, you know? Because But, again, nobody's holding LeBron, and, and those guys aren't as well equipped. 
So I'm like, oh, you know, Kawhi and PG are going to have time. They made it rough on them. And I guess I kind of forgot, you know, when PG was in Oklahoma City and Joe Ingles kind of made life tough on him there. I'm not going to say any jokes or, you know, foreshadow <laughs> into something else. But, yeah, they make, they make life tell uh, – they make life hell on those wings. And especially just their rotations. I mean, they're such a cohesive unit defensively. They'll switch – They'll switch if they have to. They'll recover well. And they, they're very oh – what's the word? Because on that last possession especially, they were just locking down. Like they weren't jumping up at anything. They were just cool, calmly collected. Disciplined. disciplined. Thank you. God, I, couldn't, I don't know why I couldn't think of that. But, yeah, I mean, this is definitely a way better uh, defensive team. They have the intensity to bring it at those wings. And they're, they have a chip on their shoulder. They're fearless. Like They will bring it at you especially. See, so, yeah, let's just talk about Spida. Uh, 45 points, insane game. No one could check him. Um, I, I think a lot of his points came in the second after in winning time. Uh, mm-hmm. So it just spent a little bit of time on that. What did you see from Spider this game? It, he hasn't had a game like this in the playoffs this year. Um, he does not look at – he looks 110%. He's not injured at all. He's extremely healthy. Um, and the Clippers' defense is not good. Uh, so I guess you can – Give Donna Mitchell props. Then what kind of changed? Uh, what did he see in that Clippers defense where I can just attack this defense because there's nothing there? Was it Nepetuma center or was it something else? Yeah, he was definitely he was splitting a lot of double te- double teams and screens. I feel like they kind of tried to guard him a little bit the same as they did with Luca, but Luca's very pick and roll oriented. Like he'll drag you up and then he'll get a switch or he'll kick out. Donna Mitchell's going right by you. He's either going up or he throws that swing pass out to the corner and then it's like hot potato with the rock around the key and. In the first half, the Clippers were very disciplined and very good, you know, rotating and getting back to the ball. They were very – their rotations, they were going up to everything, and they were – I think they might have gotten tired out. That could do a little bit with the seven-game series or just because, like, last series it was we throw two, three guys at Luka, he throws it out, we let them shoot because the role players didn't do squat in game six to seven. If you do the same thing where you come up and blitz Donovan Mitchell – He's very good throwing that skip pass out to the corner because they. He's like, also way faster than Luca. They're faster. both great at getting to the way rim. Faster. But Mitchell can turn that corner, not better than Luca, but a lot faster. It's mm-hmm. a lot sharper of a corner. Luca kind of goes around, does a little Nash thing where he hooks your hip and then gets that. Mitchell just ducks his head and he's around that corner. Now you now he's playing three on two and it's a fast. And then even even then, if you do get a recovery to the corner, Clarkson Ingles, but. One pass to it's always that one more offense, kind of like the Simi Valley High School offense. You know, <laughs> they throw it to the corner, one more, one more, one more to the other corner, and they shoot a three. So they're gonna have to adjust somehow. I don't. Do you let Spider go one on one? I don't think so. But you can't do the same defense where you're gonna let the role players get hot because they these guys will shoot you out of a gym so quickly. So yeah, what do you take? Because this team is besides the reliance on the three. A complete 180 from the Mavericks, the Jazz. Very, very. So how long do you think it'll kind of take the Clippers to kind of – because this isn't like a – oh, just, well, you, it's just a one-man army. They got Mitchell, who's a great scorer like Luka, but they got these guys that will lock you down and hit threes. And then we underestimate guys like Clarkson and Bogdan and even Joe Ingles that, like, can get to the mm-hmm. rim and get some penetration there and really create offense. So do you – what what do you – because that was where I – I have Jazz in six. Um, okay. I had that before this game, luckily, or else that seemed like a little front runner. Um, but, yeah, this team is just completely different than the Mavericks, and the Clippers don't have a good defense whatsoever. They're they're kind of like the Mavericks of the West. They're f- extremely efficient on offense. They're great at the three, but their defense is not there. Um, and the Jazz have a top five defense in the league, probably a top three defense left in the playoffs. Um, so, I mean, how long do you think that adjustment will take for the Clippers to kind of get there? 
I don't think it'll take long. I kind of trust Tyloo, and, you know, they did only lose by three. They were the last possession away, so I'm not going to say, like, they were right there because this is the playoffs and lost. They were lost up by no matter what. They blew a big lead. They, they blew a big lead, which is kind of their identity. This they A lot of their demons reared their ugly head. You know, the pandemic P, the struggling uh, in the second half and in crunch time. A lot of these. I don't want to get away from basketball right here, but really quick, I have to mention this up. They were like yelling overrated so much when Paul George was at the free throw line. It was so loud. Yeah. Anyways, I don't want to harp on that too much, but back to your point. Yeah, yeah. Did you answer the point? How long will it take for the Clippers to adjust to this to the Jazz? Yeah, no, I think they're definitely going to come out with adjustments this next game, and I, I feel like their defense is definitely going to be less oriented on like point of attack on Donovan Mitchell and more. They're going to try. They're going to try and stay home on the shooters and kind of see what. Do- Obviously, they're not going to let Donovan go one on one. He'll light you up for fifty five. No matter what, they they have to be disciplined on the shooters well enough and contain Mitchell at the same time. So that that's where I'm at on it. I think they could get that by next game. It's not a crazy adjustment. It's just more of making sure that you're there when they make those passes and when they get those shots up. Because if they're open, they can kill you with it. Yeah, so what's your prediction for this series? I said Clippers in six. I'm going to stay with it just because like, I'm not going to change it. I do think... Like if if Paul George isn't as horrible as he was, and I, I know it's like this is a repeat offense for him, but even Kawhi, you know, <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't as great as he's usually been. You know, if he's a little bit better, Reggie Jackson did foul out. They, there there was there was some calls, but that's how the NBA's been this season. So they get a few of those you know kinks out the way, some calls their way. They probably win this game, so they're probably feeling good. So I'll stay Clippers in six if they steal game two here. I mean, they should have all the confidence in the world. They steal home court and they go back to LA. Do you ha- did you have a split in your initial uh, prediction? Yeah. Well, I mean, I never I never told you guys, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if you have them in six, that probably means, yeah, they don't go down 0-2 in the row four in a row. Um, yeah, finish this off. The Conley injury uh, did not play, even after they went in five against the Grizzlies. Clipper series goes seven. He had uh, about Clippers a week did, off. Yeah, they did have a very quick turnaround. That Don't get me wrong, expect the Clippers a lot more than affected the Jazz, but Conley still didn't have enough time to rest. Uh uh, resident foot doctor, uh, you go a little bit up. There's the hammy. Uh, what what do you make of this, Colin Andrews? Is this something to be concerned about? Or do you think we can see him as soon as game two? It was a mild hamstring injury, and the problem with those, they're so tricky because they're the soft tissues, and they, as we've seen with Harden, which we'll get into later, they can flare up any time. I mean, Harden, he had been he had been healthy since his second reoccurrence of uh, that injury flaring up, and in 43 seconds, tightens up on him, and boom, you're out. So. Yeah. It's a very tricky injury. I don't know if he'll be back. I unfortunately really didn't get to like see if he warmed up, did any pregame stuff. Uh, but with a mild one, I've seen like some uh, like Twitter. I'm not gonna say like Twitter doctors, but like some some PTs and you know like the MDs and all that. They say like it's usually like seven to fourteen days, which makes sense for like a mild strain. So I mean, yeah, worst case scenario, he could probably be out <laughs> like game four, game five. I don't think he goes in game two. I would I would say game three is probably the most likely, but don't quote me on that because, you know, I'm not a certified PT yet. You still got a few more years left to school. Uh, that's no biggie. Um, yeah, let's move on here. Uh, second game one of the uh, start of the week. Excuse me. Uh, Suns beat the Nuggets 122-105 in the 2-3 matchup out west. Um, I just realized this is we're coming the west versus the east. Very, very, very 
simple, I guess, that way. Uh, big news here that I take away from it, uh, Aiton kind of matched Jokic, MVP Jokic. We'll get to that later. Uh, Aiton had 20 and 10 on 13 shots. Jokic 22, 9 and 3 on 23 shots. So not only did he match him, he played a lot better than him, honestly, with those uh, 10 less shots. Uh, but, yeah, Chris Paul also looked amazing here, 21 and 11. Only real bright spot for the the Nuggets, I guess. Jamichael, don't call me Jeff Green. Uh, 10 points, 11 boards. He continues to play pretty well. What did you take from this first game? Uh, I have Denver in seven. Uh, I did have again the split, and in the first half it looked like it might happen, but second half Suns really pulled out. So uh, what you see? Yeah, I mean, Aiton is probably one of the better uh, Jokic defenders. He's very physical. He stays home on Jokic, and he makes life tough on him. He's very physical, and even Jokic himself, I think Jokic said he's, like, the best guy to defend him, which, I mean, that could just be, like, you know, the friendly pre-series, you know, oh, yeah, he's so great, great competitor, da 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 and then by Steps the end the of the MVP, series, da, da, da. Yeah, by, by, like, game five, he's going to shove him off him, you know, and then fist fighting. But, yeah, for the Nuggets' sake, uh, their offense was just flat. Monte Morris has usually been incredible for him, one for ten, and get this, minus 28 in a 17-point loss. I mean, that's just – I, that's not something you see every day. So Jokic also struggled. He, he did have a lot of, and I know I said like, but a lot of it was just him missing. He went really cold in that third quarter when the Suns went on a run and they won the quarter by 10 points. And that whole time it was just, you know, he'd have a turnover. He had four in the game. He'd miss a shot. And also one thing to note with how this game turned, the Suns are a very, very quick team. They get the ball and they run. And that's probably oriented with Chris Paul or if campaigns in deep book, they push that ball, and that's kind of how they beat the Lakers. You know, the Lakers were hampered with injuries. You know, their effort wasn't there in a lot of the games. They push, push, push. And Denver, I mean, I'm not going to call them, like, a slower team, but you look at their starting lineup, like, they're they got, athletic. They got a few like guys in there, you know. <laughs> Compazzo, Rivers, Jokic, they're not, the you know, the best of athletes. Gordon, obviously, the dunk champ, and and Michael Porter Jr., who's pretty spry. But besides that, I mean, they they're a half-court team. Yeah. Yes, they, they they work you methodically in the half court offense, and then getting to the Suns. I know I'm kind of taking the uh, the EJ uh, rundown, but uh, Mikael Bridges was phenomenal. Eight of 12, 23 points. He's really become a three, like a solidified three and D guy. His defense was always there. It was the three pointer, and he's like money from that corner. They always Chris Paul always finds him in that corner wide open. Whether they you know run screen actions or just. Chris Paul doing his stuff on the perimeter. He always finds him there in the corner. He's really been knocking it down lately. And, yeah, I mean, the Suns were just incredibly efficient, and Denver had nothing for him, which makes sense because their roster is basically, you know, a, a pit of, like, injuries right now. Yeah, I mean, I've, it might just be because I've never winning uh, in seven, so I know it's, I, don't, I expect a few lost along the way. Uh, but it doesn't seem like Phoenix can play a better game than this, does it? I mean – and it doesn't seem like Denver could play a worse one. Nicole Jokic, he had that one game against the Blazers member where, like I said, like Mike Lewis drawn up everything like perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, Jokic ISO right there on that little short corner there. Take the midi clank. Like he just has games like everyone where the shot just isn't falling. And yeah, I'm just going to regurgitate some of the stuff you said. Monte Morris, one for 10. That's not going to happen too often or, or else they wouldn't be here. Um, and then, yeah, Porter Jr., three for eight from three. Only 13 shots, too. I feel like... He should be taking probably upwards 16. I know he wants to stay above 50%, but he needs to be taking some more of those shots. And while, during this game, I saw shots that were there, but the Phoenix, they're close, not uh, fast on him, but like he's 6'10. He can get his jumper off against anyone. So I just wish he'd pull those. 
Uh, but yeah, as far as Phoenix, yeah, Aiden's going to continue to uh, play Jokic well, but mm -hmm. I don't think he'll shoot below 50% until... I think he has one more of those left in the series, and the rest is going to be a I'd be lot very more surprised if you've seen. I'd be very surprised if Jokic doesn't bounce back. He's one of those players where, you know, like, he has a he has a bad game, especially in the playoffs. It's very rare for him to have two bad playoff games in a row. I mean, just like what we've seen last year, he had three all-time performances when they were in elimination games twice, you know, in two rounds. So I'd be very surprised if he doesn't bounce back here. And, yeah, I think uh, it was either in the game six later series or game one of this series. Um, they showed a stat where it's like Nuggets wins, Nikola Jokic seven assists per game, Nuggets losses three assists per game. He had three here, so that's what, if the glove fits, he must have quit. Uh, but that doesn't have to do with him him playing well. He gets his guys open. They're just not hitting. Like we said, once again, Monte Morris, one for ten. These guys weren't hitting their shots. Jokic can't do it alone. I'm surprised they even scored 105 because I was like, clank, clank. It was embarrassing. And that's um, something they can take away from it because the Suns do have a pretty decent defense. They're still getting 105 with a lot of their key guys really not producing for uh, for them. Yeah, we we saw a Bucks team get held at 86, which we'll get to. Like and like I said, they're getting these open looks and they're clanking them. And Suns are a great defense, but it's because Nuggets swing that ball around and around. You can mm -hmm. get Jokic on one corner, he overhead swings it to the corner like that. Not a lot of teams can do that because Jokic is seven foot and can get has that vision. I will say some of the assist, uh, the lowest discount also has to do with the fact of how he's being defended. We saw in the Portland series, it was let Jokic do what he does, let him get up 20-plus shot attempts, don't let him play make because that's what he's most dangerous at. You could say even more than scoring, but we're not going to have a full-fledged debate about that. You can get something in after. But, yeah, they, they let him do what he does, let him settle for threes, let him get inside. And then you know, Aiton, he's probably comfortable with having that one-on-one -on -one matchup. He's like, no, don't help, don't you know, double, because that's that's dumb. We don't want him to throw perfect passes to guys, you know, ready in the corner. So he feels confident in that one-on-one -on -one matchup. They're probably going to keep uh, defending him like that. And if they can keep the assist down, this is really the first playoffs I've seen his assists, you know, be this low. And it's because of how he's being defended, unfortunately, with their roster shortcomings due to injury. So this is this is pretty interesting. We'll, we'll see how this holds up, see if he can, you know, his teammates can break through, because I think he can definitely get seven, eight assists if, if those guys, you know, make five more shots. Yeah, because it used to be you want to load up on Jokic. Guess what? We got Jamal Murray there. Break him down, drop 50, Jamal. I'll sit here in the corner. I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm a team player. But now it's all Jokic, and I think it it, it shows why he's the MVP because I just have a feeling he's going to get it done. Uh, and I don't mm -hmm. see him winning any less than two of these games here. I think everyone has going at least six. I guess the Suns would be the defending champs. So um, I guess I'll end this off with a question. Uh can you live with the way – I didn't say Aiden's a good defender. We also said that Jokic just kind of missed some open shots. Can you live with the way that Aiden's playing? Because I know we're saying it's physical with him, but, like, what about the fundamentally – how the Suns are defending him? Could you, could you live with that, or is there a few things you want to see change that could go against them if Jokic starts hitting I, I live with it until it becomes a massive problem because you can kind of get away with it with this Nuggets team. Like and what's this? The, if, the, the injured Nuggets team. But what, how are they playing Jokic? What do you mean by they can get away with this? I'm just saying, like, like one-on-one -on -one coverage and, you know, if the role guys aren't hitting, yeah. you get away with it. Now, you know, if if in game two, MPJ's got, like, 20 at halftime and Composo or Rivers are balling, then you're kind of going to have to, you know, pack it in more on, on Jokic and then mm -hmm. hope hope they, you know, hope they miss more, I guess. I don't know. That's <laughs> The story of the playoffs, it's like it's it's really been fascinating this year because there's just so many good like three point shooting teams. It's like some of the time it's just like let them shoot and see if they can shoot you out of the gym. That's kind of how it's been. So you live with it until it it takes you out and you need to make a change.
Yeah. Uh, yeah, good coverage there. Let's move on to the East. Let's move on to the Game 2s. Uh, Nets break the ever-seen-Batman uh, Rise of the... I don't, what's it called? Rise of the Dark Knight? When Bane yeah. just snaps his bat. It, yeah. It's hard to watch. Yeah. 125-86. Brooklyn Nets kill the Milwaukee Bucks. Take a 2-0 series lead. This was disgusting, especially for two guys who were like the Bucks are different this year. They got Drew Hall the day for three first round picks. It's gonna be different. It's us. It's us two. It's us two. Thank God there's no I told you so from Josh here. Thank God he's having a lovely candlelit dinner watching Lady and the Tramp at his girlfriend's house. Like I, I couldn't take it right now because I'm watching this game. I'm like, what's going on? Chris Middleton can't hit a goddamn shot. Drew Holiday. Hey, he played he didn't shoot a lot, but he went six percent. It's not really his fault. Giannis eight for fifteen. Middleton, yeah, seven for twenty. Just tough to watch. Uh, they didn't get a lot of shots up, uh, it, it, but, but the way I'm looking at it, in Brooklyn, Kevin Durant, thirty-two on eighteen shots. This game once again without <laughs> without James Harden, and it ju- it just breaks my heart because like I told myself after James Harden injury, I'm like, well, it's a lot more of an even even table, even slate now. Why did I even have the Bucks in the first place then? Because if they miss their second best player, a rating MVP, and I'm like, oh, it's it's chalk now. It's even. It could go either way. Then the Nets are just ten times better, anyways. Uh, Blake Griffin once again. Uh, I mean, he came through as far as like the intangibles. He's kind of like their Draymond Green. Which again, how the hell did Blake Griffin turn into Draymond Green? But he, he's doing that from the Nets now. Uh, Mike James again. He didn't shoot well, but he ran the show great. What you what you take from this man? Because like it's. Well, let me carry the six. Yeah, that's that's a thirty-nine point blowout. Call it forty for fun. It was it was almost fifty at one point. I think it was forty-nine. Yeah, you, and you beat largest. the Bucks by forty in a series where some people are taking Milwaukee because it's different this year. Is and, it different this year? Have you lost faith? I mean, I haven't lost faith, but I'll tell you, it's looking dark. It's not looking encouraging at all. I mean, Brooklyn scored like the, like their their mandated one hundred twenty points. Like they didn't. It wasn't like they scored like one fifty, and Milwaukee was just like, we can't do anything. Milwaukee couldn't do anything against a, a Nets defense who is so vulnerable inside and attacking. And just, I, I I don't know what Milwaukee's doing. They have the they have the personnel, they have the pieces to literally dice up this Brooklyn Nets defense. They could use Giannis as a roller. Like they they're not running pick and rolls. Yanni he'll dribble the ball up the floor right, and then he kicks it to like Drew or Chris to do something. He just stands there. He he can he can cut. But, you know, everyone's going to collapse on that, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know why he's trying to be the main ball handler. Like, that should be Drew. That's why you got him. He can be the point. He's the upgrade of Eric Bledsoe. I want Giannis in the post. That's what in I the want. Post, Everyone wants him there. In the post or being a roller. Like, if, you know, if he sets a screen and if Drew's hot, right, because everyone thinks he should be, that that he he's a pretty good postseason player, if they go up on it, you dump it down to Yanni. You throw a lob. Nobody's stopping him inside. If Giannis, if Giannis catches the ball, like in you know right out of the restricted area, he's go he's dunking over. It doesn't matter who's in front of him. I've seen him dunk over AD. I've seen him dunk over like anybody. So and then just Chris Middleton. I mean, he's just been an abomination this whole series. I think he's barely shooting forty percent. I honestly like. There's really not much you can you can say about like the, the Bucks. It's just they're not shooting well at all. Their defense is, is god-awful. I mean, it's it's worse than, you know, <laughs> the worries I had about it in the regular season. I was worried because I thought it was just, like, effort-based and, you know, inconsistent. This is just, their drop coverage is, like, 
poor. It, it doesn't, it, and it's not even just Brook Lopez. It's just in general, like they're they're just letting. Well, let me stop right there. This is not a Brook Lopez series. I know I've defended him. I know you you don't like me. I, I always have to defend him. There's no room for him here. And I'm like, they need to play PJ Tucker. Well, they started him, played him 22 minutes. A lot of not a lot of minutes go around here in, in a blowout. But I, you gotta either start Pat Connington or Bryn Forbes, and you move Giannis to center because they're playing Blake Griffin at center. <laughs> And I know it, it can't be some crazy idea George Martin thought of in his Wisconsin bedroom. There's got to be 90% of the coaches in the league go, yeah, you play on as a center when Blake Griffin's playing center for the Nets. It's not that hard. And I'm not here to say, oh, the Brooklyn Nets have a reimagined defense. They flipped the switch when playoff time came. 16 turnovers for the, for the Bucks, And that's just laziness. That's just not knowing what the hell kind of offense you're running. And when you, you have a turnover, unless it goes out of bounds, is an easy two or three points for the Nets because it's either Kyrie, oh, whoop, 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 layup package and one, or it's Joe Harris in the corner, green the light. The possessions are so key. In, in, in any, any team playing the Nets, the possessions, you have to win the possessions. You have to go down. You have to score and then – just you have to timely stop the nets, and that's what the nets do to everyone now. But you know, you give up 16 turnovers, it's gonna be really hard for you to win that game unless Kevin Durant is starring in Thunderstruck too. So yeah, let's. I, w- I want to get. Let's focus in a little bit more on that instead of just rambling about the Bucks and stuff. Katie, okay, 32. He's playing phenomenal. Um, absolutely phenomenal. What have you seen? I mean, yeah, like I said, 12 for 18 here, four for six from three. Just looks so in control. So in control. And Kyrie, do, he's not playing like the point guard where like, oh, I uh, I always drive and kick, like get a bunch of assists. But he's setting the table as far as like, you go here, you go here. Let's execute this offense. He's trying to where to get everyone in best spots. And he gets Katie in his best spots, and Katie goes to work. Katie's killing it. Yeah, Kyrie hasn't even been like – he hasn't had like an outlandish scoring performance yet, which is kind of like the scariest thing. He's basically taken on Harden's role of like setting up the offense – telling guys where to be, get to their spots. And also, uh, specifically for KD, he's been locked in on defense. He's been incredible this series defensively, getting timely steals, blocks, taking defensive assignments. I think part of that has to do with the fact that, like, the Nets are confident with Blake on, on Giannis. And I cannot believe in the year of 2021 that, you know, it, it's it's working. I mean, for this game, I guess, because he had 34 and 11 in the first game. This one, he only had, like, 18. And he was, he was settling. He was taking pull-up breeze like he doesn't want i don't know like why he doesn't want to go not even just go inside like run and dunk just get to the high post spin take a fade take a pull-up jumper make it simple on yourself and with with blake taking that assignment kd can roam around he can be the free safety he's a high iq player so he can see the floor and where the ball's going get those steals and i feel like they're in his head because in those games where he was dominating the Nets in that back-to-back where they won both of them, that's what kind of swung us, I think. Swung Colin Coward. He had the Bucks win the whole goddamn thing. I mean, and Giannis was hitting those threes. Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. hitting those threes, and he was he was he probably felt great because they're oh you're gonna sag off me, drain it. Like no no one wants to be proven right by the defense. That oh you're open for a reason. No one wants to be, be proven that. And one fifth of his shots, which doesn't sound like a whole lot. Or threes for Giannis, that's way too many. And I don't have to blow out only 30 minutes, only 15 shots. But three threes, 0 for three is not going to get it done when you're Giannis and you've dominated in the paint, dominating in the paint against Jimmy Butler and Bam out of the bio. And you're scared to go in there against Blake Griffin and Kevin Durant. Like, I know Kevin it makes no sense Kevin because that Durant. Heat series should have been like the, the one to get over the hump, get over their demons. And this one just be like that, that series against Miami, that was, in my opinion, still is their toughest defensive draw by far. And, like, they got through that. They waxed them. Their shooting was incredible. 
now they just can't hit the side of the barn. And I, like I said earlier, that's just how the tail of these playoffs are going to go because there's so many prolific scoring teams, shooting teams left that it might just literally be you might have a 2018 Rockets performance where you go 0 for 28 or you look like the 16 Warriors. So, yeah. Um, yeah, two more things but about the Nets. Just want to, again, Mike James, huge credit. This guy's a great floor general. Like, he just sets everyone up how they're supposed to be. He's the perfect point guard. He made campaign have really showed out in these playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really taken a hard drill. And then, yeah, secondly, speaking of Harden, uh, Hammy again. It yeah. came out like on like a day before like the game. Like, oh, he's gonna miss it. Not even we're gonna see how it goes in warm ups. We're gonna see how he's feeling. He's out. This Hammy is serious. It's yeah. it's it's pretty serious. What do you what do you how do you feel about this? Yeah, I'm definitely concerned. It was the third time in at least a month because I know he was recovering from the first one, had a setback, and then came back. I think he got like two or three games in, and then first game of the second round, he's out. And the, just the hamstrings are so tricky. It's kind of just like just like a sprained ankle, honestly, where you know you're feeling fine, you lace up your shoes, then you go up and land wrong, and boom, there goes your ankle. Obviously, it's way different. I'm just I'm just trying to make the comparison that at any given time it, it can give out. So they're going to be very cautious. And as of right now, they don't need to play him until a game five, unless the only reason I see him playing is if this series is tied, which right now it doesn't look like it. If even if they split in Milwaukee, there's no reason to play him up three one. The only way I can and they're not going they're not rushing him back at all. So honestly, even if they do tie it, I don't think he, until he's a hundred and. 15% healthy, he's not getting back out there. But do you relate it kind of like to, like, it's not as serious as an Achilles injury, but it's like, there's no 100% like, oh, this guy's going to go out there, he won't re-injure it. It's just all like how he's walking. Like you said, 40 seconds in, he injures it in the game and one. And his play style doesn't really help it, in my opinion. So and is it really is it really just get him until he's okay and then just play him when you get desperate? Or like, do you try and keep him out like until, a, until the conference finals? Because I have Bucks in six, you have Bucks in seven. Mm-hmm. I, I would have picked that now. I would take the Nets. I think Nets can win this in five, if we're being quite honest. They can definitely do it in five. So mm-hmm. like, without Harden. So, like, would you try and, you know, kind of hedge it? Like, hey, maybe we could keep him out one more game. Or do you maybe run into, like, oh, like the Jazz were Donovan Mitchell. Oh, you drop a game one of the Grizzlies. Now you don't get the sweep, you know? I I don't – when you say hedge it, you mean, like, okay, we're going to take it game by game. If we win, you're out. Yeah. If we lose, mm-hmm. you're, you're more likely to play. I don't think they do that. They – I saw a tweet, I think, from Malika Andrews. They're going to be way, way more, like, the most – cautious they've ever been with an injury in their franchise history they somebody said they were like because they saw what ad did in the lake i don't know what that has to do with anything but i get what they're trying to say i honestly might think it's no matter even if they're somehow tied going into game five i think he's still out i they have they have bigger pictures and i think they're they're confident that they can win this series with the two guys they have and I just – they might not even just risk it for the long term. I mean, this this season for them especially, I know they have a really good opportunity winning now because there's a lot of good teams that aren't in, in the field. But I don't know. Is it worth, you know, him potentially there, – there's nothing really career-ending with a hammy, but something goes wrong and he ends up tearing an ACL or something, God forbid. So I think they're just going to keep him out until, like, the doctors at NYU clear him. <laughs> yeah. Um. Or Jay Z, I think he owns the Berlin Nets. 
Uh, let's move to last game. Probably, we normally do it in order of like importance. It's the only one one series, uh, so it's definitely not the least important of the batch. But uh, not a, a very entertaining game. Sixers beat the Hawks yeah. in the one five matchup, one eighteen one hundred two. Uh, Embiid forty points, zero air humps. So I mean, I, I don't know what the correlation is there. <laughs> he didn't give any um, ones in fall. So exactly. Um, big three of uh, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, and Seth Curry. Uh, they combined for let's see, ah. forty-three, eighty-three points. Um, nah, that's gonna get it done. Wow. Um, and yeah, Shake Milton. I was watching this one. He, <laughs> the doctor just put him in. He was like, "We need a shot in the arm." Looks like fourteen Kobe. points in the fourth. Looks like Kobe. Yeah. Yeah, he looked crazy. Um, ben Simmons. They put him on Trey. I know for at least second half. I didn't catch from, the first half. From um, the from the jump. He was on from the jump. The jump. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he said in his uh, pregame press or his postgame press after game one that he wanted to guard Trey, or else he's gonna let them play. Which essentially means that they'll let me foul Trey. I'll I'll, I'll guard him, or just but, or you know he doesn't foul hunt. I'll guard him because I don't want to get those cheap fouls. Yeah, um, because that's what because Ben Simmons is their point guard. Like in the fast break, they score almost every time because of Ben Simmons. So it's not like a Tony Allen where or like a Dylan Brooks. He's a off he's an offensive player. They lose him in the offensive end too, but they're more defensive oriented. Benson is very important on both sides of the ball, so you can't let like, him pick up the sheet fouls fouling out. Um, but yeah, I mean Danny Green, one for five from three. You know, you know Danny. Uh, and then Trey on twenty-one for eleven. Uh, fell in love with the three again. I felt we went one for seven. You know how I hate that with Trey Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're really missing uh, DeAndre Hunter. Uh, he missed the second Definitely. game here. Yeah, just talk to me about this game. Yeah, just. The Hawks front court has been very underwhelming in the in the in the playoffs per se. I mean, combined Capella and Collins combined for 18. They they've been they've been okay individually each. They haven't really had a game where both of them have been like you know locked in and elite. They had a few Knicks games where I was like, huh, okay. Like game game five was pretty solid for them. I think in the I think in the closeout game, yeah. They but I, I think game one Collins was really good, but now both of them are were subpar. But uh, Hawks shooters were keeping them in this game definitely in that in that second quarter uh they were down i believe like 14 and they drew it within two at halftime and their bench was very very effective uh two guys scoring 20 plus at halftime their bench had 30 sixers had nothing and those bench units have been killer for the sixers doc rivers does like line changes for some reason where he puts in a whole new five like he doesn't he doesn't stagger (laughs) kobe he doesn't stagger simmons like it's it's really weird to me and that's where he that's how they lost game one. Uh, I think, like I told Josh, they went on like a 17-0 run, the Hawks bench. And then this one, they let him get back in the game at half. And then Was well, Haskell been always kind of been a doc thing where I'm going to let him play like it's the dream team? Like he kind and of then, just like, they're on a yeah. 14-0 run. We're going to handle it. They're, you guys are fine. Stay on the court. We're good. Like That's kind of a doc thing. Yeah, like so I know you weren't on the last one, but uh, the Hawks bench had an 11-0 run. Doc calls timeout. Come back on the floor with the, with the same bench. And the Hawks make two more threes to, to make it a 17 0 run. I'm like, why would you call a timeout and bring the entire the same, same exact back? lineup? Like, 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 what can you say in that timeout? Like, come on, guys, play harder. Like, like not you gotta, one, you bring up not one three. He didn't see one bad like play, one bad flaw from any player to be like, okay, I should probably you know make this change. He's like, eh, they can they can go back out there. They're they're, they're fine. <laughs> but yeah, the the bench the bench scoring is probably going to be what keeps this series close, in my opinion, because I just think. I just think this, the the Sixers starting lineup is, is just way more talented, especially if Embiid's going to look this good playing with one healthy knee. 
and Tobias Harris attacking early and often. I mean, especially without DeAndre Hunter, he's going to get his. I mean, they're they're throwing like who who was it? I Solomon Hill, I guess, and yeah. that's 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 no bad. He's only for, good for diving, so I mean, and he hasn't he hasn't dove at one loose ball in the postseason. Funny funny how that works, right? Uh, but yeah, the Hawks shooters were, were pretty good in that, in that first half and the second half, they kind of cooled off a bit. They, they only shot 36% from three. So yeah, I mean, the Hawks defense has to be better. They're obviously missing two of their better perimeter defenders, but as long as Embiid's playing like this and, and the Sixers are, are dialed in because their first, their first game effort was, was piss poor. Yeah. Um, this, this might be a quick series quicker than I had uh, predicted. Yeah. We both have sixes and six, right? So the split looks good for us uh, because yes. we have Sixers winning, but I don't think I have Hawks coming back from an 0-2 deficit to win two there. So the split looks solid. Um, yeah, I mean, just to close this out, do you see Clint doing anything to Embiid? Or is Embiid, Embiid looks like he's just messing around out there. I mean, he's toying with him. It's, he's taking, like, one little one-legged, like, foot-on-line three-pointer middies. Like, he doesn't care. He's doing Euro steps in the fast break. He doesn't care. And like, what's – What's interesting to me is Clint is really biting on Embiid's pump fakes from like three or the the goofy or the ones elbow. too. The, 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 yeah, and that doesn't make sense either because ones. why would he like why he, you should let him shoot them because he's not going to go pat he's not going to the rim like he's been a lot less aggressive inside with his knee just right rightfully so so I don't know why he's biting so much like just let him get some shots up and then if he if he starts you know really grilling you then get up in and. Make him prove it. Yeah. How's he, how's he feeling this game? How's the knee? Cause yeah. And be like every like aspect of this game changes day to day because there's no little nagging injury as really lets you know about it or not. Cause he's just so like little ticky tack like that. Yeah. So you need to make him prove every single game, how, how he's going to play that game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't think Clint's doing anything really. I didn't think he would. I was, I was laughing my ass off at people who were like, Clint's going to give, you know, Joel Embiid a tough time. Uh, Jay yeah. Sports Podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he really did think that would. Yeah, I was like, mm, I don't know about that, man. Uh, but yeah, there's the there's a little breakdown the recap. Um, let's see. Let, let's go coaching news. We got a little bit of coaching news. Let's do it. Um, let's so two, two uh, scenarios to add on to our Celtics scenario with, uh, not scenario, situations with Brad Stevens. Um, Terry Stiles and the Blazers decide to part ways, as well as Steve Clifford and the Magic agree to part ways. Um, I guess I'll start. Do you think it was a part ways, or do you think that's just kind of like fancy talk for, hey, man, your time's up, let's save some face? Well, we'll start with Clifford, then we'll get into Stotts. Because uh, Clifford, sh- I think Clifford really was a part ways. I think they're, they sent a message at the trade deadline, we're going to rebuild. And Clifford can get an assistant coach job anywhere he wants, uh, just because of his defensive mind. So you disagree with me on that? No, I, I, I feel that. I mean, they, they don't have much direction right now. Like, they, they got some picks from a, a trade that they did with the Bulls. But, I mean, they're, they're two best young prospects, I guess I would say. I mean, unless you think Cole Anthony is better than Fultz and uh, Isaac. They're both hurt right now. I They don't really know what their outlook is like with those guys. And those are probably their two, like, brightest stars right now. So, yeah. I mean. They, they need some lottery luck for sure. They're, they're getting picks that they'll have two from the Bulls and they'll have their own, I believe, unless it was a swap. So, and then they get a new coach in, hopefully like a new culture change. I mean, when you're, when you have younger guys and then you're adding in new guys, you need like a, a change of direction to, just to change a scenery, I guess, in, in house. So, I mean, yeah. And Clifford probably doesn't enjoy it. He's a pretty good coach and I don't think he wants to be a part of a rebuild project since he's, you know, 
he, he isn't a young, you know, spry coach. He's he's yeah. getting up there. He probably wants to be on a contender, even if that means being an assistant. Yeah, just end up off the Magic hit, and we'll kind of, the Terry Stotts one is the fun one, so we'll kind of save that for a second. But if you're the Magic, do you kind of hire a uh, like a young guy, like a new guy, give him his first crack, or do you kind of do it like Pistons did with Wayne Casey, like hire a respected guy, kind of get like that a Tibbs with like gets the most the, out of their players, yeah, yeah like like a guy who's respected and won't like doesn't have to start from scratch, but also kind of like expects like, hey, we got to win now. We don't really tank. You know, I don't. I honestly don't think it matters because, like, look what look what the Hornets did bringing in that Pop disciple. I don't know his last name, but they had Brega. a very young Brega. Thank you. They had a very young team, and you know, it's just like a new culture, like a new like let's let's attack this. But then you also look at like a a Pacers hiring. I'm not going to attempt his last name. A, a young coach. I don't know if he was a Pop disciple, but no, he he was from the McMillan oh, staff and Bjork. It, oh, it's Bjorken. I'm thinking yeah, of the Thunder he, guy. He will not be there, by the way. Like it, like at the end of the season, like he will but be. Then fired. If you also look at the Thunder, I think his name's like Dang, whatever it is, Mark something, <laughs> Mike something. Like they don't have a direct. They do have a direction. <laughs> it's 37 first round picks, but like, where do you go from there per se? So I, it just really. I think it's going to be like a fit candidate who fits. Yeah, it can go both ways, young or old, good or bad. Like you just got to get the fit there. Yeah. All right, let's focus on the Blazers now. So after nine years, uh, it's the only coach Damon Lillard's ever had. Um, he leads the second winningest coach in Blazer history. Terry Stotts and the Blazers agree to part ways. So I'll start with this, and I want to hear your answer first. Was it a part ways or was it like an eight, Terry? It's time. <laughs> I mean, even even then, saying like it's time. That's a part. I just feel like he's been there so long, and he's been a part of the whole Damian Lillard era that I don't think it was like a hey, you're fired. It's just like we need a change here. We've we've been going at it every year and not getting past the first round. Besides when they made the conference finals, I think they might have made another second round in 2016. But anyways, uh, yeah, I just feel like the, the time the, the clock was running out on this, and you know they they have a bunch of respect for Stotts and they probably didn't want to fire. And so it's just like, we got to let you go, but we don't want to put the wording of we're, we're letting you go. They didn't want you in the walk of shame. They didn't want to. Yeah. And like, let's part ways. Let's realize, you know, get to new beginnings, you know, a new start, go our ways. And do you think Dame co-signed this? Uh, because he did come out and, he, you know, he loves Stotts, obviously, but he did come out and they put the microphone in his face and they're like, what are you thinking? He's like, he already named some new candidates. Uh, Jason Kidd, one of which turned it down, uh, so that was kind of cringe on his part. But he had a few guys, uh, and then we got the normal guys like you know JVG, but Dan Mark Tony, Jackson, yeah, yeah Mark Jackson, the the, the usual the, suspects, the, re- the recycled coaching candidates, like it's two K. Um, yeah, probably. And just to get to the J Kidd thing, it, it's it's really interesting. Like him, I think him turning it down had more to do with like him worrying that Portland front office like might not have wanted him because. I think on the original report that like Mark Stein, Mark Spear, whoever put it out there, like, you know, Blazers are looking into these coaching kids. Kid wasn't on there. And then Dame comes out the next day or the, or the fall, you know, the night, the same night and says, I want Jason Kidd. And kid's like, well, I don't want to like cheat the process. If they don't want me there, like I'm not going to have some. Cause then you're on the a thin leash. Kind of like what Vogel had because they're like, kid has to be your assistant coach because, you know, if you start up the season 10 and 10, you're out of here. And kid's the new head coach. It's because, kind of like, you don't want to. Because, like, Vogel was apparently the third option. They wanted Ty Lu, And then somehow Jake Kidd had more, like, notoriety within the organization. That was just 
that firestorm, it's very lucky we ended up with a championship because it could have gone down worse than it did in 2019. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with the uh, coaching situation. Yeah, I mean, I think as long as you get Dame's approval, Terry Stotts isn't a, you know, he's not someone who, oh, we don't want to let Terry Stotts go. He's a great guy. He's a good coach. He'll be a, he'll be on an assistant staff somewhere. Uh, and then he'll probably get a, every coach gets a third, fourth shot. So Terry Stotts definitely got another shot, especially after being at nine years. Um, but is this kind of a, the one move they're going to make, or is this a lot? One, the first domino in the offseason for the Blazers. It's the steamroll action has started. The bell has rung. This it's time. I don't think they're going to blow it up per se, but there will be there will be changes. There's going to be changes. I yeah I I I don't mean you agree they should entertain the CJ McCollum trade idea. Um, but do you think it'll happen? How realistic is it? Because you get rid of Dame's only coach and his best friend the same offseason. Is that going to get him to stay? Who who knows? Like, what do you think? Dame will be a part of it. He's going to have that LeBron role in his organization. So I think everything's going to run through him because obviously. That's that's Portland's biggest star since, I guess maybe like a Brandon Roy or Clyde Drexler. He's, he's their biggest star since Clyde. Five? Okay, okay. So yeah, or Bill Walton. If you want to take it, I was gonna say Bill, but I'm like, ah, oh, Brandon Roy, uh, you know, Clyde the Glider. I, I don't want to be like that disrespectful. So they'll definitely run it through him. That they'll entertain CJ offers. I don't know what like value wise. Like you and I talked about it in the parking lot outside that hotel. Yeah, it's half an hour, so we'll spare everyone the time. But like CJ, one of the most our, untradable like all stars. This is a, his value dependence on the dollar. Eating our Reaper Dave's hot chicken per se. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely one of uh, the dominoes to come. I also realize like we we talk about like them getting Roka, which was good. He didn't make like any like all defensive teams, and he's mostly a team defender. And they actually had two firsts for him. I looking back on it, like what, what was really gonna happen? <laughs> like, like he's not like some lockdown defender, they you know, probably just, a rim protector. They like, probably just thought like like getting at you know signing Derek Jones Jr., getting a healthy Nurk back. They felt like they had some some integral defensive core pieces. Sp- speaking of Nurk, did you see his uh his uh postseason like uh like kind of press exit interview? No, I didn't. Huh? They asked uh, um, if he, he'd be coming back, and he said, uh, well, I just want to find the right situation there. Like, is it here? He's like, not right now. So I, it seems like he's upset. I don't know about, like, touches. I don't know if he's still buttered about the whole, like, they traded him and started Jokic thing, and then Jokic wins MVP. Like, he, I don't know if he's mad about that. He, he thinks he's on the same level. He wants you're more just, touches. You're just not as good, Nurk. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it could – I mean, I think it could really help, um, but – uh, I maybe getting rid of uh, that that team. It's tough. It's really tough to judge what they should do. Um, but it's not our job. That's for well, it is our job in the off season. We'll get to that. Oh um, yeah. But yeah, let's move on from that. Um, which one to talk about first? We'll talk about. So yeah, Jokic wins MVP. It, All right. It, yeah, that's yeah. That's uh, expected. Pretty obvious. Well, well deserved. He played every single game. He. Got that team to a third seed when they started out as an eight seed. Countless injuries, COVID, and he, he was just the last one All standing. All 72 games. Yeah, All, every game, last last one standing. And his stats his stats were very good, too. It wasn't like it was just like, oh, you know, by default MVP. I mean, I'll bring up his stats right now, actually, since I have him handy for our next segment. Uh, he had 26 points, career high by far. He upped his uh, field goal percentage to 56%. Shot, what do you shoot from three? 38% from three, also career high, 26, 10, and eight. No brainer, in my opinion. 
yeah. Uh, like I said, I tried to be quirky. I was like, I'm going to try and play devil's advocate. I'm going to see if Giannis Antetokounmpo is the MVP. He simply wasn't. Nikola Jokic was the MVP. He just I think had he the won best it case all year. pretty handedly. I think Embiid only got first one vote. And he won first place votes. Yeah, Embiid only got one first place vote, um, which Steph I don't think he'd be in the top three anyways. Steph but, got five, Yeah, ironically yeah. enough. Steph, Steph did get more first place votes than Embiid. Might have to do with the time missed. Uh, I still think I should be in top three, but who really cares? Uh, next segment is not the uh, one you're thinking of. We forgot. Tiz wins coach of the year. Oh, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll cover that for 30 seconds. He was my pick. Was it your pick? I had Monty, and I'm I'm interested because the coaches association voted for Monty, but the media voted Tibbs. So a little bit, little bit of a <laughs> dilemma there, but both were well-deserved by like either or. I, I said, I, I think I text you. I'm like, yeah, I have Monty, but I think Tibbs is going to win, and that's probably the right choice. But just mm-hmm. the way – the coaches voted one and media voted other. It was a little bit interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, it, it may be a little you – because know, Monty's killing it right now with the Suns and Knicks lost in five when they were the favorites. Uh, but, yeah, I think Tibbs uh, – yeah, I think he, he definitely deserved it, especially just the yeah. whole New York bump, kind of like with Randall. Um, yeah, so do you want to introduce uh, kind of the closing tonight here before we get to a preview? Sure. All right. So I've been on Twitter a lot recently. Just, you know, shocker. shocker I am never caught lacking. And there's been a lot of spaces, a lot of just Twitter debates about who's been the best player in the playoffs so far. There's, there's been a lot of names. And I felt like this should be a segment for us because we actually disagreed on one. And this is something I've kind of wanted to talk about on here. So how should we start this, Lehman? You want me to go with who my player is? Sure. So I'm going to go with, uh, I have two actually, but I'm going to start with Kevin Durant. Um, like, like I had mentioned, he's putting up th- 32 points per game. Uh, his, his splits are ridiculous. 55, 50, 91, seven rebounds, four assists, two blocks and one steal. Absolutely phenomenal. He's best two way player by far in these playoffs and doing this all on an Achilles, like coming off an Achilles injury. I mean, you couldn't more even- two way than Kawhi. Two blocks and a steal, and he's been flying around everywhere. I mean, I think it's close, but I mean, did we did we not just witness a playoff series where Luka Doncic was the best player on the on the floor and was well, still my segment. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So my second player, uh, the MVP, Nikola Jokic, the best center in the league. That's the hill I'm dying on. I know Lehman will not like that, but he is definitely top one of my top two favorite top three favorite players in the league. Uh, he is averaging 31 and 10 on 51. <coughs> Hold on. 51. Where, where's the three point? 51, 42, 91 splits. Oh, he's good. Been, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I my There's a big crack down the middle of my computer screen that was blocking out the three point percentage. But yeah, uh, these splits as a center are like never before seen. I mean, if I read you those splits, you would have thought it was like KD or, or like a staff, you know. Not Nikola Jokic. I mean, look at the guy. Like, he doesn't look like a guy that would put up 50, 40, 90 in the playoffs, averaging 30 and 10. I mean, he's been absolutely phenomenal. And winning a playoff series with – Don't pull the goofball card that Jokic doesn't look like it. That's that does, that does That's cheating. You can't look at me. Look at me. Look he's, like, he's like me. Like, we, we look alike. You get the European just races, like me. <laughs> he won a playoff series with Compazzo and Rivers in his backcourt. They had no business winning that series, even though I picked him in seven. Dame and, you know, they should have ran through him. So, I mean, if he gets to the conference finals, oh, 
you don't want that because I will be going haywire. So, uh, yeah, those are my two top players. I'd probably put Jokic at one, but uh, he had a subpar game one performance, and if he comes back uh, subpar tomorrow, it's probably going to be KD by default. Yeah, I, I got to die on this, Luca Hill. Uh, I mean, he's, he's my favorite player in the league, so it might be a little biased. But the man, I think he had 40 points or more in five of the seven games against the Clippers. And it, he won't be the best player in the playoffs as it goes on, but he was in the playoffs as of Sunday, so Recently, it, yeah. it, it, it still counts. And this man was picking apart the Clippers' defense. I think he, in one of their last games, in either game six or seven, accounted for 41 of their 47 field goals. That's putting the team on your back. And he faced adversity. He was playing a team that was better than him, something that Jokic maybe can say and Katie uh, certainly can't say. Um, so, yeah, and he also had probably the best defenders on him. Jokic was guarded by uh, by Nurkic in the first round. Now he's guarded by Aiton, who we discussed is a good defender, and he got shut down. So Aiton is the Kawhi to Nikola Jokic. So I just think it really was Luka. And I think when you take it into account, they really could have won that series when they had no business doing it. It just kind of strengthens this case. Very good. And uh, I kind of have to agree with you. Uh, I was saying Luca was the best player on the floor by far in that series. And, yeah, if he had won that series, I would have top five player in the league. I would have started pushing some stuff. But, unfortunately, they didn't win. So, yeah. But good stuff here. And I think now we're going to move into predictions. Yeah. One thing to say, yeah, Luke only has two weaknesses, and it's the goddamn free throw line and his his bubble gut that he simply cannot use. Have the stamina to continue to persevere in the fourth quarter, but he was amazing. We only got three games to preview. Let's start with Wednesday. Let's run Uh, game two. Nuggets Suns in Phoenix. Phoenix up one zero. What you got? I can't believe I'm doing this too. My, my, my boy Jokic, but I do have the Suns in six here. So I think they're going to, that crowd is just electric. I mean, I, I, oh I know they lost Joey Vaca's in there. I know they lost uh, to the Lakers in game two, but that's because AD was supernova, but yeah, I'm, I'm taking them here. And then I eventually think there's going to be a split. And then I, I think, uh, whatchamacallit, the win, the, the win like two in a row, the Denver, and they're like, Oh, they're getting hot again. And then Devin Booker's going to have like 45 in a closeout game. So, I'm taking the Suns. I expect the hot shooting to continue. And we're going to see what Jokic does against Aiden. I'm a little bit worried, but I think he'll come through in the most part. It's the teammates that bother me. It's, I think it's got to be Nuggets. I mean, I, you said AD went supernova in the game, too. That's why they lost, and it won't happen again. Well, Jokic is going to go supernova. And I think we're, get, we're getting another classic Austin Rivers phenomenon. Masterclass. Yeah, he's going to teach everyone how to hit some clutch threes, and Jokic is definitely going to show that, hey, eight might be a good defender. You don't stop Nikola Jokic. You don't You don't make him shoot 10 for 23 twice in one series. It, does not, it doesn't work that way. Um, and yeah, I think they're going to pull it together. I think Mike Mullen's going to make the correct adjustments, something you can't say about a lot of the coaches up in these playoffs. Um, so yeah, I, I really do think uh, they'll get the split here. I do have Nuggets in seven, though, so maybe that's just because I don't want my pick for the winner of the series going down 0-2, and I'm blinded by that. Uh, we're going to get back into the Thursday, uh, 4-30, 2-3 matchup, Bucks nets <sighs> That must be biggest game for the Milwaukee Bucks this season, 100%. Is Gianni's, is Gianni's legacy on the line? I mean, at this point, yeah. I mean, it, 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 no one will believe in them, ever. 
like ever. No I'm, what taking, I'm taking the Bucks, Bucks in a statement win here. There, it's going to be a 15 to, 15 to 20 point win. I'm taking Bucks in a E kind of win, not a statement win. Kind of like, like, like a my when they put Miami in game one and one, like yeah. 104 93 or something. Or not like just the scoring wise, just kind of like, ugh, I don't. I'm not that comfortable in my pick that the Bucks are going to win this series, but at least like they're a, a goddamn win. Like a, they're up by like 12, but win by four, and the Nets are yeah. feeling good. Yeah, okay. Katie shoots like horribly, so does Kyrie, and like they barely win, like that kind of thing. Um, but I do have the Bucks winning that. Okay. And then on on the Friday pot, I'll tell you if I have them winning over the weekend. But I'm not. I'm going to take this game one at a time because this series is going to give me a headache as a Bucks believer. If the Nets win. Game three, would you oh, entertain a sweep? I would 100% entertain a sweep. If they lose, I'm entertaining a sweep right now. I'm doing, I think a, it would be a, a gentleman's I'm doing, I'm doing monkey dances for the sweep there's, right now. I'm entertaining the no whole way. nine yards. There's, if they, <laughs> I think it would be a gentleman's. Just like Katie, just, I don't know. He's listening to J. Cole's album until like 3 a.m. the night before and comes out and shoots like, like eight for twenty or something. He's going I, on dates with Lana Rhodes, like, or someone on the Nets is. You know how it, <laughs> you heard about that? I think it was Blake Griffin. I think it's Blake Griffin that went on. That it's got to be Blake. He's been he's been with everyone. And he brought the G. <laughs> he went on a date with Lana Rhodes, and then he brought a backup girl just in case. That dude's hilarious. Also a budding comedian. Shout out Blake Griffin and Dave Chappelle. Uh, last game of the uh, slate. Like I said, only a three game one. Clippers Jazz. Uh, Utah lead series one zero. Clippers have a knack for going down 2-0, um, but they're also good on the road. So who you got winning this one? I got the Clippers winning this one, and if they don't, you know, they're going to be like, oh, we got them right where they want them. It's different. Uh, <laughs> Jazz have a way better defense. That you do not – like I know we said, oh, Dallas is going to be full capacity. Don't, don't go back to Utah down because it won't be friendly. So I think they're going to split it here. Um, PG is going to have a better game than, than 4 for 17. That's just yeah. known. Uh, Reggie Jackson probably won't foul out. I think the role players will. It, it's usually the role players with the Clippers. They they were hitting their threes in the first half, and then they weren't in the second half. Utah was the complete opposite. This series, like I said on last on last pod, you weren't here. I'm so fascinated by these like the shooting of these teams because it's just going to be who catches fire at the right time because that's what it was tonight. Yeah, I got the Clippers winning this one. Uh, split going down back to LA. Okay. Um, I don't that's really. A win I, for him. I think Tyloo makes the uh, correct adjustments, and I think then it's going to be up to Quinn Snyder to Game Three to stop just taking what the Clippers give them and going and getting what they need. Because yeah, like like we talked about, Nick Batum at center, yeah, you're going to feast on the inside. Oh, Reggie Jackson fouls out. Yeah, Clippers gave you that one. Marcus Morris four fourteen. They gave you that one. Now they're going to make the correct adjustments. They're going to hit their shots. Now Quinn Snyder's going to have to go. Well, if they played their game, how can we still beat them? And I think it's going to be fun to talk about on uh, Thursday's pod. But uh, yeah, the Clippers winning this one. I think I think we're gonna call that's, it. That, that's it. Pretty good. We're gonna call good it. Stuff. Um, yeah. So that's gonna do it for tonight's episode. Thanks for watching or listening. If you're on YouTube, seeing our uh, stupid faces, uh, please hit the subscribe button. And if you're on uh, Spotify, wherever we, wherever you listen to podcasts, hit us. Drop us a follow at th Hoopers. Whether they listen uh, on the Spotify, on Twitter, Instagram, George Nakalak without his phone, so you can just get a response whenever you want. Join a Twitter space with him. He'll be he'll be bug-eyed. He'll be so excited. I don't have spaces yet, yeah, but I do be joining other spaces. And no, we have 16 Twitter followers now. We're growing. We are definitely growing. Um, besides that, thanks for being an OG. Everyone take care. Love y'all.